Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey everyone, thanks so much for downloading this week's show. My name is Laura Adams. I've been hosting Money Girl since 2008, and I'm the author of several books, including my Amazon number one new release, Debt-Free Blueprint, How to Get Out of Debt and Build a Financial Life You Love. During the entire month of January, I always think about what I can be doing to make the coming year great. You know, how can I improve personally, professionally, financially, etc.? I start getting organized for taxes. That's one thing that I I definitely try to do right after the new year. And we've also been going through literally trunks of photo albums, stacks of school yearbooks, and boxes and boxes of loose photos, trying to pare them down and digitize them. It's going slowly, I think because it's really hard, but we're, we're making progress. If you've read the organizing books by Marie Kondo, you know that she encourages you to keep what sparks joy and toss the rest. So we've been sparking a lot of joy, and it's not easy, but it is worth it. I hope you've spent some time thinking about your financial goals this month. It really can be challenging because to make goals, in a lot of cases, you have to make some tough decisions. And making decisions about money can be difficult. Most people have several financial goals, but knowing which one should come first or even just where to start, that can be a barrier to making progress. We all have limited financial resources to manage. So if you don't know what your priorities should be, it's pretty easy just to feel stuck and to never make any financial progress. Here are some recent questions I've received from Money Girl readers and podcast listeners. Michelle M. asks, I'm wondering if I should use my savings to pay off my credit cards and then build my savings back up again. Naomi S. says, I'm trying to get out of credit card debt, take control of my financial life, and set up a good financial future for my children. Do you have any tips on where to start so I can have less financial stress? And James asks, with so many ways to spend and invest money, I'm not sure that I'm focusing on the right things. What should my financial goals be exactly? Well, these are great questions, so thanks so much, Michelle, Naomi, and James, for sending those in, and they're questions that you may also have. Often, I get questions from people who want to know what new graduates should do or new parents or newlyweds should do to improve their finances, and oftentimes, the answer is really the same for everyone, men, women, young, and old. So in this podcast, I'm going to answer these questions by giving you a very simple step-by-step guide for making smart money decisions. This show is for you if you want to look at the big picture of your finances. 
Have you taken care of the basics? What are the foundations of your personal finances that you need to be shoring up? This is podcast number 576, Pay Off Debt or Save First, a five-step guide for making smart money decisions. Whenever I have a money question, I come back to this simple guide to give me a clear path forward, and I hope that you'll use it the same way. This five-step process can really be the ticket for leveraging all of your financial resources, reducing stress, and building wealth as quickly as possible. So let's get started with step number one, which is build a cash reserve. Oftentimes, I get money questions about paying off different types of debt, such as credit cards, student loans, and mortgages. And my first response is to ask if you have a cash reserve, also known as an emergency fund. That's your number one financial priority before doing anything else, such as investing or paying down debt. Your number one financial priority has got to be building a cash reserve. Having a cash cushion to fall back on can literally be the difference between surviving a financial emergency, like losing your job or having an unexpected medical bill, or getting buried under it. Devastating events are tough enough to handle without also being stressed about money. When you don't have a financial cushion to soften the blow of a large expense or a loss of income, you could end up going into debt. Now, how much emergency savings you should have is different for everyone. There's no one-size-fits-all answer. And if you work in an unstable industry or maybe you're the sole breadwinner for a large family, you probably need a bigger financial cushion than a single person with no dependents and plenty of job opportunities. Ideally, you should accumulate at least three to six months worth of your living expenses. Another good rule of thumb is to accumulate at least 10% of your annual gross income. For example, if you earn $50,000, make a goal to accumulate and maintain a $5,000 emergency fund. If you're starting with zero savings, you could begin with a very small goal this year, such as saving 1% or 2% of your income. Or you could start with a small target like $500 or $1,000 and then increase that every year until you've got a healthy amount of emergency money sitting on the sidelines. If you're trying to accomplish other financial goals before accumulating a cash reserve, You're just putting the cart before the horse, my friends. You've got to take the time to evaluate how much emergency money you have, how much you need, and then create a plan to bridge the gap. Also, I do not recommend investing your emergency money or considering your retirement fund your cash reserve. Your emergency fund should be in an extremely safe, high-yield, FDIC-insured savings account. Don't worry if your cash reserves earn little or no interest in the bank. They're not supposed to. The purpose of emergency savings is to be accessible and liquid in the short term. If you invested it, the value could shrink to nothing, literally the moment that you desperately need it. Being financially responsible means that you're prepared for a day when bad luck may strike. So think of an emergency fund as an investment in yourself that ensures future financial safety and happiness. If you're struggling to build a cash reserve, I would ask you to automate the process by having a portion of your paycheck direct deposited into a savings account or transferring funds 
from your checking into savings. Let's go back to Michelle's question about using her savings to pay off credit cards and then building it back up again. Michelle, you should always keep an ample emergency fund because you never know when you're going to need it. So I'd say if you have more than enough savings, then you need to use it for the steps that I'm going to cover next. But if you do not have an ample emergency fund, I don't recommend using it to pay off debt. You need to maintain at least a minimum amount of savings for you. And again, you've got to make the determination on how much that is. But I would say at least a thousand, preferably $2,000. If you've got more than that and you've got some very high interest, expensive debt, that may be a good use for the money. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So after step number one, after you've got some amount of emergency money, step number two is fill your insurance gaps. So in addition to having an emergency fund, an important part of taking control of your finances is being adequately insured. Many people get into trouble and get into debt in the first place because they don't have any kind of insurance. They don't have enough or they don't have any insurance at all. As you earn more and as your net worth increases, you're going to have more income and assets to protect from unexpected events. Without enough insurance, a catastrophic event could literally wipe out everything that you've worked so hard to earn. So make sure that you've got enough coverage to protect yourself and also those you love from something unexpected jeopardizing your financial security and happiness or their financial security and happiness. You probably already know that drivers must have auto insurance and homeowners with a mortgage must have home insurance. Ask yourself if your current coverage would give you enough protection based on the assets you own and your net worth. I have an inexpensive umbrella liability policy that offers additional protection for any type of lawsuit. When you dig into the coverages, you may find that you've got a woefully small amount, even if you're getting the minimum amount for your state. You know, for example, in some states, the minimum that you have to have for auto insurance liability is $10,000. That is not enough to protect you in a lawsuit. And in addition to auto and homeowners, there are other types of coverage that can be very affordable and give you financial protection. For instance, if you rent and you don't have renter's insurance, you need to get renter's insurance like today, like right now. At an average cost of $188 per year, it's a bargain for the protection that you get. So if you're renting, again, you are really being very foolhardy if you have not purchased renter's insurance. Make that a goal this year. Health insurance also is a critical coverage because, as you know, any kind of medical issue or accident could leave you with a massive bill. Even a quick trip to the emergency room or a short hospital stay could cost thousands and thousands of dollars. The Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, makes it mandatory to have health insurance, even though the penalty is no longer enforced for not having it. But no matter the politics behind health care, going without health insurance is a risk that you should never take. If you believe that you cannot afford a health insurance policy, what you want to do is shop for coverage on the federal marketplace or your state's marketplace, which offers coverage at a reduced price based on your income and family size. 
Also consider disability insurance. This is another key policy. It's often overlooked, and it's something that every earner should have. What it does is gives you a percentage of replacement income, such as 60% or 70% of your income if you were unable to work due to a disability, an illness, or an accident. Remember that if you're sick or injured and you can't work, health insurance only pays a portion of your medical bills. It's not going to pay for your living expenses like your rent, your mortgage, or your food. But disability benefits would allow you to pay any bills or any debts until you can get back to work. You can use that disability payout any way that you like. There are short-term disability policies that would kick in in as little as a couple of weeks after Issues like a back injury, digestive problems, pregnancy, there are long-term policies that typically begin coverage after six months for issues that could range from cancer, cardiovascular problems, and joint disorders. If you don't have a disability policy through work, or you do, but it's just not sufficient, purchase a policy and then have enough emergency money set aside to tide you over until that coverage would begin. And lastly, you want to think about life insurance. If you've got loved ones, who would be hurt financially if you died? And if you're in relatively good health, a term life insurance policy for half a million dollars might only cost you a couple of hundred dollars per year. So again, a term policy, if you're middle age and you're in relatively good health, it's very inexpensive. Money Girl is sponsored by Claritin. If you're like me and you suffer from allergies, you know this time of year can be pretty rough. There's a lot of sneezing, itchy eyes, congestion, and they can really hold you back from living the life you want to live. Luckily, for those with allergies, you can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This is a product designed for serious allergy sufferers. It's got two ingredients in one pill that relieve allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combo of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant relieves all the symptoms that you suffer. And what I love about Claritin D is that it starts working in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, it's non-drowsy, so you can still make the most of your day. I can take Claritin D and then get on the mic and record a podcast without being too congested. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right, we covered step number one, which is build your emergency fund. And then step number two is fill your insurance gaps. Step number three is 
pay off any dangerous debts. So after accumulating some amount of emergency money and having the right types of insurance, your next financial priority should be getting rid of what I call dangerous debts. These might be tax liens, overdue child support, or accounts in collection. If you have any of these types of serious debt, you need to get caught up as quickly as possible. Dangerous debts also might include high, high interest credit accounts, such as payday loans, credit cards, and car loans that have rates in the double digits. These accounts can really destroy your financial health because they drain your resources and keep you from using your money to save or invest instead. In general, it's best to tackle your highest rate debt first, because it's costing you the most in interest. But do not worry yet about paying off low interest debts like mortgages or student loans ahead of schedule because they're relatively inexpensive when compared to these dangerous debts. In addition, they come with built-in tax deductions, which further reduces their cost on an after-tax basis. So again, your mortgages and your student loans are not dangerous debts. These are the ones that you want to save for last. And if you want to learn a whole lot more about very, very specific strategies for getting out of debt, I would encourage you to check out my online debt class called Get Out of Debt Fast, a proven plan to stay debt-free forever. You can visit lauradadams.com to learn more and even get a 50% discount off that course. Step number four is fund your retirement. So after you've prepared for the unexpected with savings and insurance and you've dealt with any dangerous debts, then it's time to turn your attention to retirement. As I previously mentioned, this is a higher priority than paying off any low-rate debt, such as mortgages and student loans ahead of schedule. And I'd also say that it's a higher priority than paying off credit cards, depending on the rate that you're paying. If you have a relatively low-rate credit card, then you're probably going to want to go ahead and fund your retirement while you're paying that off, kind of doing those at the same time. But if you've got credit card debt that is, let's say, you know, in the 20s, 29% interest, that's something that you definitely want to tackle first. This step is so important because after you stop working, you could and hopefully will live for decades. And whether you're going to live in poverty or have financial freedom in the future is completely up to you. Social security benefits for the average retiree are only a little more than about $1,000 a month. That's nice to have, but is not enough to be comfortable. So the earlier you begin saving, the better. Not only does starting early give you more time to contribute money, but it leverages the power of compound growth. Compounding is when your earnings earn their own earnings. Your account balance can easily mushroom as the growth that you receive provides even higher returns. Consider this example. If you invest 500 bucks a month over 20 years for a 10% average return, you'd have about $380,000. But if you started five years earlier and invested that same amount, 500 a month, for 25 years, a little bit longer, you'd have over 665000 But if you invested for 30 years, you'd end up with an impressive nest egg over $1.1 million. Simply starting to invest five years earlier would give you an additional $435,000, even though you only put in $500 per month. 
The moral of this example is that procrastinating even 10 years could make the difference between scraping by or having a comfortable lifestyle down the road. A really good rule of thumb is to never invest less than 10 to 15% of your gross income. For example, if you earn a $50,000 salary, be sure to invest in the range of $5,000 to $7,500 per year. As I mentioned, if you do that consistently over several decades, you can easily retire with at least a million dollars. If you have a retirement plan at work, such as a 401k, 403b, or 457, that's the first place your retirement savings should go. For 2019, the contribution limit is going up slightly from last year, which was 18500 This year, it's going up to 19000 And if you're age 50 or older, the limit increases up to 25000 So you get an extra $6,000 in catch-up contributions once you are over 50. But what if you don't have a job with a retirement plan? Well, in that case, you can use a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, or a special account if you're self-employed, which also comes with some really nice tax advantages. Last week's show was all about accounts for the self-employed, so be sure to check that out if you earn income either part-time or full-time on your own. The maximum amount that you can contribute to an IRA is not as high as a workplace plan, but it's likely to increase in future years. For 2019, you can contribute up to $6,000 or $7,000 if you're age 50 or older. And by the way, if you'd like to see a summary of different types of retirement accounts and their rules, I created a free download for you. It's a one-page PDF called the Retirement Account Comparison Chart. If you want to get that resource, simply text the word RETIRE, R-E-T-I-R-E, to the number 33444. Once you're consistently saving 10 to 15% of your income for retirement, then it's time to consider paying off your less expensive, low-rate debt ahead of schedule. And our last step, number five, fund your goals. The final step in making smart money decisions is to consider your other goals. Maybe you've got your heart set on buying a home, sending kids to college, starting a business, or paying off your low-interest debts early. Expenses that you plan to make in a few years, such as buying a car or taking a vacation, should be saved, not invested. You're better off protecting this money from market volatility and any potential loss by keeping it in a bank savings account. Now, for your dreams that you want to achieve beyond five years, for those, you can use a taxable brokerage account to get some higher rates of return. Regular investment accounts don't come with any tax advantages, but unlike a retirement account, you can take withdrawals at any time without a penalty. Let's go back to Naomi's question that I mentioned at the top of the show. Naomi says that she wants to get out of credit card debt take control of her finances, and create a good financial future for her children. Naomi, you can create a strong financial foundation by following these steps in the right order. So have your emergency funds and insurance. That can really reduce stress because you know that you can handle any financial challenge that might come up. And James, I hope these steps have also given you a clear plan. 
Making smart money decisions comes down to preparing for the unexpected by having financial safety nets. Then you're in a good position to dig out of any dangerous debts, invest for the future, and save for any other financial dreams you may have. So again, step one, build a cash reserve. Two, fill your insurance gaps. Three, pay off any dangerous debts. Four, fund your retirement. And five, fund your goals. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you for a quick favor. I want to make this show the best it can be, and you can definitely help me do that by taking a short listener survey. It's a really quick way to let me know what you like about the show, what you don't like, what we can improve. You'll find the survey at bit.ly slash moneygirlsurvey. Again, that's bit.ly slash moneygirlsurvey. Also, we started something really cool. Quick and Dirty Tips is celebrating 300 million downloads, and we really want to start hearing from listeners like you. If the show has helped you or you have a money question, leave me a voice message. Here's the number, 302-364-0308. Again, 302-364-0308. Of course, we'd love to hear why you love listening to Money Girl. Your recording may be used in a future episode. Again, 302-364-0308. I look forward to hearing from you. And if you're on my email list, I'll also put this voicemail number and the link to the listener survey in my next weekly newsletter. And if you're not on my newsletter list, I hope you'll sign up. It's a very short email filled with tips, tools, and resources that I think you might enjoy. To get on the list, you can go to lauradadams.com or send me a text message. Text the phrase, get updates with no space. Again, get updates with no space. Text that to 3344. Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard Steve Rickyberg with editorial support from Joe Muscolino. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please show your support by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. Or if you found any of my books helpful, getting your five-star rating on Amazon would be amazing. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.